0: This is the Untamed Ethos Podcast. Join us as investment pros, executives, and other experts talk business, personal growth, investing, politics, and the trending topics well-rounded pros need to know about. Authentic, unfiltered, and fun. Joshua Wilson is the founder of United Ethos Wealth Partners, a registered investment advisor. Due to industry regulations, he will not discuss any of United Ethos's investment advice on this podcast, and nothing you'll hear on this podcast should be taken as investment advice. All opinions expressed by Joshua and by podcast participants are solely their own and do not reflect the opinions of United Ethos or its affiliates.
1: Welcome back to the Untamed Ethos podcast. I'm Joshua
0: Wilson, and with me, is Doctor Vix Russell Rhodes happy? Happy. What day of the week is it? Are right now. Where are we at? Is it's. I'm- it is Monday, uh, May eighth okay.
1: when we're recording. So be, be about a Friday or Saturday when this probably comes out. But uh, yeah, I think we're gonna get started hold this on, morning. Hold on! Hold on! Russell. No! No! No!
0: No! No! I get to. I get hold to on. say something about you, Doctor oh. Josh Wilson. <laughs> Dr. Wilson defended about a week and a half ago. And yeah, I, you do the exact same thing that I, I've i only had mine for a couple of years. And you do the exact same thing I do when somebody calls me doctor, you just you're like, it, it sounds so funny, doesn't it? It, <laughs> it doesn't. does. So funny. and I and, and for full disclosure, he had no idea I was going to throw that one at him. So there. <laughs> but congratulations yeah, to Dr. Wilson.
1: Really... So there. Thank you. Thank you. I, I did not know that was coming. And I'm not uh, I still, I think I still blush. Oh like yeah, it, it won't me. go
0: away. It really will It'll be like yeah. yeah. So, so yeah. If 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 you get married in the future, I, I, I wanted to say you know, uh, Doctor and like do, like Doctor <laughs> yeah, Jill Biden. I, so we're, we'll let that go well, and Dr. you start Jim. talking about what you want to talk about. But I <laughs> totally,
1: totally hot. Totally you totally said Doctor Jill Biden. With, yeah. <laughs> the, the, the the value of the doctor just kind of deteriorated very suddenly when you said, when you said yeah. that for me. <laughs> oh, good. Speaking of politics, I, I have uh, something I'm pretty passionate about today, Russell. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a new bill that has been proposed a bipartisan bill that would prohibit stock trading by congress now i'm pretty passionate about this and i think it's a great Opportunity for investment advisors to speak out in favor of the retail client, defending the retail client because, you know, I know that Nancy Pelosi is the one that gets uh, that's in the news most often. You know, Nancy, the greatest investor ever, she just crushes the stock market every year with her insider (laughs) insider information, just crushes the stock market uh, every year, and of course says it's it's her husband doing it. Um, But uh, there, there are This is so obvious. Yeah, you know, from the polls that I've seen, less than twenty percent of Americans would oppose this. And I I, I assume that twenty percent
0: works in government. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. There's there's no reason that now you you what they propose, and I you know I haven't read the bill. I just know what I've read in a couple of articles, and what they're proposing is that members of Congress can't own stocks. And I do have a little bit of an issue with that, uh, and, and I've got a little bit of experience with one of the money managers that used to deal with a former president, um, the, the Clintons. I, I was on the sell side a long, long time ago, and I covered the firm that managed the Clintons blind trust. Which existed, which is what presidents used to do. They put their money into a blind trust, and they, the, and you know, I, I'm, I've heard this from one side of it, and they may just be you know lying to cover things up. But the, my understanding was the Clintons would meet with their money manager a couple times a year. They tell them what the performance was, uh, really wouldn't dig into the details too much, and that's all the contact that they really had. And one of Nancy's big arguments is, well, you know, we are in a capitalist society. And, you know, I should be able to invest in America. And I don't disagree with that at all, uh, but she probably, if you go into Congress, you probably should, there should be some sort of mechanism in there where uh, you you get a money manager that, you know, uses one of those CFA uh, cookie cutter solutions for, you know, a 35 year old person that's going to work for 35 more years. This is how much money they have right now. Here's what their salary is. And here's how we're going to allocate for you. So I, I, I don't have a problem with them owning, you know, be, having exposure to the stock market. I have a problem with them taking advantage of their, uh, of the information that they get hold of and trading ahead of all of the rest of us. Uh, that So I, I think there's a happy solution in here and it's not necessarily this bill. The big
1: thing for me is, um, you know, indexes. Uh-huh. Hey, most, they, they preach indexes to retail clients. Exactly, you know, indexes does allow you to, uh, to you know, obviously if it's a broad market index. Now, if you're shorting the regional banks, uh, you know, a month ago or something like that, it's probably different. <laughs> um, so I, I feel differently about that. But the big picture is, is the the, individual, the trading individual stocks allows them to trade on insider information yeah. and there's a tremendous amount of evidence I mean you can't prove that they trade on insider information but there are <sighs> numerous because uh, you know these things are filed yeah right? they're supposed to be filed yeah. now they get in they get in trouble sometimes slapping the wrist if they don't file and disclose these things. But when you look at the records and there's a there's a a little company I saw a startup from some college kids called Quiver Quant that I ran into and they scrape this data and show you the trading from. from, from Congress. Mm-hmm. And it's just, they just crush it. And then there's another one, was it unusual whale? Yeah. Or that's, like that on and Twitter they do it. They do a good like job.
0: This. And not even with just government, but across the board. And that
1: is really attractive to me that two people that are on opposite ends of the spectrum. And I've got my problems with both of them. Um, but on opposite ends of the spectrum are coming together on this, that th- four out of five Americans agree on, I think we should pay attention to that. And it's an easy opportunity for investment professionals to, to take a stand on this and look out for the small investor. It's always in the news, um, you know, financial news of, you know, Schwab is you know, fine to this and then JP Morgan is fine for this. And then, you know, um, uh, Bank of America is fine for this. And then Goldman Sachs and Morgan Stanley fine for this. It's always fines, 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 fines about screwing over retail clients and, uh, and here's an opportunity for investment advisors to go out and say something that's non-controversial and push the government to, to do something mm. that's actually good for retail investors.
0: So um, I, I'm, I've been reading it, I, I, I'm multitasking and it does, um, it does allow for a blind trust by approval by some sort of compliance officer. So it does allow it does allow them to, it, which is exactly what you know in reality uh, it should do. And I love how the headline says "can't own stocks," and then you read it, you read three pages into the bill and it says, "Well, they can own stocks uh, as long as they are, um, you know, as, as long as they put things in a blind trust." And then there's also a, a special rule for spouses in here. Uh, if you're a spouse of a member of Congress. Uh, and you get paid uh, in financial instruments. You know, it it kind of stink if my wife got elected to Congress and all of a sudden I couldn't do my job anymore. You know, you know. But uh, so there's there's a uh, you know something in there.
1: Speaking of the big banks, uh, <laughs> J.P. Morgan with a big win. Uh,
0: Maybe <laughs> we'll see I how mean, it plays out.
1: Sure that way. I mean, ten point six billion which sounds astronomical and you know uh, but they paid that for 173 billion in loans and 30 billion in securities and get this according to the press release they didn't even assume the corporate debt Wow! paid 10.6 for 173 billion in loans and 30 billion in securities man why can't we socialize a deal like that we only ever socialize uh big mistakes by banks but we never get
0: to socialize winning you know the the wins we just we we only socialize the losses why can't we all participate a little bit in whatever they paid and i don't you know i don't i don't know if any of that money in one way or another might flow through to the uh, to the um the account holders or other people that had some sort of interest in the bank uh my assumption when you said that they don't they didn't take over the debt that, um, what they paid is probably going to the debt holders, you know, it, it, yeah. as part of the distri- distribution of assets. Um, yeah, you know, I, my understanding is they were able to, they did this because it was a bidding process and they weren't the only ones that bid for it. They actually had the best bid. So you can only imagine how, how bad the low ball bids were in there. And I know that there's been some, uh, head scratching as to, I thought banks of that size were not allowed to buy other banks there's a, there is a legal exception when distressed banks are are being put up for sale but what's really funny about it and and you just got to you got to hate the internet or you got to love it depending on your perspective but there are quotes from um from Jamie Dimon from back as they found out what they got with Bear Stearns and how it actually ended up costing them more uh, than they thought it would, due to taking on some of the liabilities and some of the legal liabilities associated with Bear Stearns as well. Uh, that and and I believe Wells Fargo as well. Uh, he actually is like quoted multiple times saying he would never do something. I'm never buying a distressed bank again. <laughs> so <laughs> you gotta assume it. Whatever they they agreed to bid for all of this that to yeah. use Mr. Buffett one of Mr. Buffett's terminologies that there is a huge margin of safety with respect to uh, other things going wrong before they unwind all of or figure out exactly what they've got here. Uh, so yeah. uh, but you know there were other entities involved in it and it I, I believe that there are rules in place that the best bid is the one that that is supposed to be accepted as well. So you got to you know, you talked about socializing the losses uh, the losses may be even worse if you didn't have somebody come in and actually bid for it. So, yeah, yeah, that's true. You know, it, it maybe cost us as shareholders, or I'm sorry, as uh, taxpayers, uh, a bit less than it would have if they weren't able to find at least a low ball behind. It. Yeah, yeah. You no, know, I, I, I agree
1: with that. You know, I, I think that what I'm the the point that I'm, I guess, dramatically making is that when banks need to be bailed out, taxpayers are involved in that and have to get penalized. And, uh, but then when there's an opportunity to take over a bank and, and make money from it, it's, well, that goes to the bank. Yeah. So, you know, you get to, the bank gets to essentially share in its losses, but it won't share in its
0: gains. Exactly. You know. So that's, uh, so, yeah, they're, they're, heads I win, tails I win.
1: Heads yeah, you lose, tails exactly. you lose. So. Yeah, exactly. So getting into the, 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 the market, the little market talk, um, before we get into some
0: basketball <laughs> <laughs> or, or, or confrontations, but go ahead. <laughs> oh, well, we, we, we can, we, we there's
1: confrontations in the stock market. Yeah, we can go that way as well. Yeah. So a couple of things that I, I was looking at, um, Russell, that I'd love your perspective on is, uh, SPX, um, its performance over the last two years of looking at looking at a chart and man, i realize well we're right back where we were literally 12 months ago and then you back up another 12 months and we're unchanged again so we're essentially unchanged obviously we we went way up and then down and then back up again so we've we've been up and down but the level is actually the same as it was one year ago and two years ago you know we could and um, so there's been opportunity to make money and lose money during that time being when you bought and sold but uh, but all you've got if it was really just dividends between now and then in the s and p five hundred uh, if you've if you've bought and hold uh, now the tech stocks uh their relative performance uh, against the SPX is obviously they got killed last year, terrible year for tech last year, but now, they're back up near the February 2000 levels. Now, for my for any of our younger listeners, when I say February 2000, the term that should come to your head is tech bubble. Yeah. So now we've got tech stocks that are their relative performance is is near the the tech bubble. What is that? What, do you, what is this? What do you what is this? What should we take from this? SPX, same as it was two years ago, tech stocks outperforming dramatically near levels of tech bubble. What, what do you think? Well,
0: it's it. The two have taken a different path. And yeah, you know, the Nasdaq and the S&P uh, have done a whole lot in the last couple of years and, and are right back where they started. Uh, the the thing that's that's kept me bullish throughout this year is this consistent, uh, you know, and it's not every single day, of course, but there's been a really nice outperformance of the uh, NASDAQ 100, which is pretty much tech stocks uh, versus the S&P 500 and the Russell 2000. Now there's a little bit of an asterisk around this one because there ain't no financials in the NASDAQ 100. And you don't, and then the underperformance, there's not, I, I don't think, there's any energy in there, and the sector that's outperformed the best in the S and P 500 the last couple of years has been energy. Uh, that's underperforming as other sectors now catch up. Uh, but on a macroeconomic, on a macroeconomic basis, uh, when you think the economy is bottoming out, uh, you want to be buying tech stocks. And we keep hearing that that a recession is coming, but the stock market is acting like we've had a short one or, or you know just a bump in the road. And that in the second half of this year, we're probably going to, you know, the the, the economy is going to be coming out of it, and mm. you know that that's what I get from looking at the Nasdaq versus, uh, you know, versus the S and P five hundred. Uh, the the route that they both took, I think uh, the S and P outperformed by about ten percent last year relative to the NASDAQ 100. And this year, uh, the NASDAQ's probably up 4 or 5% relative to the S&P 500. Even last week, when we got uh, a, a bunch of uh, big economic numbers, we got the FOMC and we got the employment number, uh, the NDX uh, greatly outperformed uh, both Russell 2000 and the NASDAQ, or I'm sorry, and the S&P 500 on Friday. But then also, uh, I believe the Russell and the S&P were negative last week. And the NASDAq was actually positive, so you're continuing you're continuing to uh to see that and that that's just something that has kept me somewhat bullish uh although nervously bullish and not as bullish as I might have been a couple of months months ago, but uh definitely bullish on the overall stock market because that's what you want to see you want to yeah. see that tech outperformance well,
1: you do but it's still the mixed signals you know when we look at um you know Goldman Sachs, This last week was talking about the 12 month change in market breadth. And when we say market breadth, we just mean how much, how many of the stocks in an index are participating in a move up of an Mm -hmm. index. And just to give you a very simple example, if you've got 500 stocks in an index and the, the index is capital uh, market cap weighted which means bigger companies get higher weights in the index so if you've got a handful of big companies that are going up a lot Mm -hmm. and a lot of companies that are not going up or going down but especially if they're just not doing anything right then your market breadth is low Mm -hmm. that means that Market may be going up, but it's only really driven by a smaller and smaller number of stocks. Now, traditionally, this is seen as this often happens before a market downturn. That the amount of stocks that are participating in rallies tends to go down. In other words, breadth shrinks. Mm-hmm. So we're seeing a a shrinking in breadth. At least this was, you know, in the, in the S S P 500. So we're seeing weakness there, but yet on the other hand, to your tech stocks, you know, we saw Apple earnings come mm-hmm. out last week and we tend to look at big boys like Apple, um, to say, hey, what does this mean for, for tech stocks? Right. And their earnings were good. They looks like they're now testing, uh, the highs they made last August. Uh, about 178, I think. And if they can break out from that level, then really the next next thing is all-time highs. Yeah. Um, yeah. To, uh, which I guess they, I forget now, but they they had reached all-time highs a few months prior to that, then retraced, then hit. So this would be the first really resistance lever if they can break out from here. If they break out here, then break out again, that's mm-hmm. who knows. Right? So we've got, indiv- you know, feeling like we've got individual strength from, tech names um, versus less breadth in the
0: SPX. Mixed signals, my friend, oh, yeah. well, what, what do you, and, think? And, you know, the, the uh, Apple and Microsoft, just those two who had good quarters, um, just those two stocks are, are about 20, 25% of the NDX 100 right there. Yeah. So you could actually have only two of the 100 stocks going up in a day and the rest of them down and actually have the NDX rise on the day, depending on the magnitude of the gain from the two top stocks. Uh, You've gotta go more to 50 to 100 stocks to really uh, cover 20, 25% of the S&P 500. So breadth is more important, or is is a better indicator in that area than it is for the NDX. But the NASDAQ 100 has also, the performance has really been driven by a handful of really large stocks. So tech tech breadth is not nearly as good. I think we've seen uh, so far this year I think we've seen um you know large cap outperformance relative to small cap and you know the Russell 2000 is definitely uh, showing that so if we're seeing large cap outperformance versus small cap outperformance or versus small cap performance uh, and you're talking about cap weighted indexes uh, that you know that that's going to show up in the S and P five hundred and that in the Nasdaq one hundred as well as a handful of stocks really can influence the Nasdaq one hundred and a few dozen stocks can really influence the S and P five hundred with that and you know leave the other four hundred yeah. behind. Uh, so it, it, it you know the, them talking about breadth. Uh, I don't get overly concerned about them, to, uh, about the market's breadth. I know that would be something that, that would be in the bearish, uh, you know, if I was making a pro con list, a bear bull list and a bear list, that that would be a bear list. Yeah. Uh, it's not overly worrying me yet, but I really would for confirmation to, you know, remain fully long. I really would like to start seeing some Russell 2000 catch up. Uh, well, it's going to be tough. Yeah. You know,
1: they're, they're, they're- down down seven and a half percent, or sorry, underperforming the SPX by about seven and a half percent year to date. And I know when we were talking about this earlier, you you mentioned um, you know why you think that is. Now the regional banks are near their two thousand twenty lows, and of course, I think you 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 connect that to the Russell two thousand underperformance. Oh yeah, right?
0: yeah. There's um actually year to date. Uh, as of last Friday I just happen to have these numbers um the nasdaq's up 21 percent <laughs> um the uh russell 2000 is flat and the S&P hmm. 500's up about seven and three quarters percent since when since uh as of last Friday as of last yeah. Friday okay so that's um you know that's that's a tremendous uh difference there and the and the russell 2000 a big part of it is what was the market
1: it must have been the market, yeah. So I must be thinking about the week before. Not my, my numbers are updated because last time I looked, it was plus six and a quarter, and for the SPX, and then minus one point two five. So, I guess that was a week yeah, ago. Yeah, okay.
0: it's. I mean, there's the 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 spread is still pretty pretty dramatic. You know, yeah. um. So and and you lost me there for a second, which happens. Oh, the so the Russell two thousand, like like I said a few minutes ago, the Nasdaq one hundred don't have any financials um the s&p 500 mm-hmm. does but it's big financials the regional banks um it's actually it's um you know it's a big portion of the russell 2000 uh, the index and and the index that that i don't think i've i has come out of my mouth in 10 years but the um s&p 400 If you're if you're trying to figure out what index is really dominated by regional banks, there are a bunch of regional banks in that S&P 400, which is a mid cap index. Uh, And those uh, I I, the reason I know that is I had somebody come to me and ask what index would be the best one uh, to hedge uh, regional banks. And I looked at the uh, the best thing to do would be the regional bank ETF. But if you're using index options, which a lot a lot of professionals would rather use, uh, S and P 400 is 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 the one that really gives you a lot of regional bank exposure. The two indexes that are having the great year are not giving you any exposure to regional banks. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah. You know, also, last week we saw employment numbers come out, and you know. Biden's been bragging on those uh, employment numbers pretty pretty heavily, and I think it's probably a good time to point out that, that um, government employment unemployment stats only count people that are actively looking for work. Mm-hmm. Um, Heritage Foundation pointed out last week that we've got three and a half million fewer workers working now, and Two and a half million of those have gone on disability, so that's the easy way to to to, to prop up unemployment numbers is get them out of the workforce mm-hmm. on disability, so they're effectively retired; they don't count anymore. Um, so, if you included these folks, it would be five point nine percent and rising, which is about where we were at in two thousand eight. Um, you know, and this is combined with the fact that. You know, they changed the uh, the way that we calculate uh, CPI earlier Mm -hmm. this year. You know, so we're we're we just if we don't like the numbers, we just change the definition of them and then they look better and then we feel better. And how many more times we're going to just change the change the definition of things in order to make ourselves feel better. But it doesn't change the underlying dynamics. And Mm -hmm. you're putting a greater burden on the American people with, you know, more folks on disability. Uh, right, uh, I, with uh, with government.
0: I, I'm trying to figure out how two and a half million people qualify. I, I I wonder if there was a rule change in there that made it a lot easier. Like I'm, uh, you know, I I need a safe space for two years because because I I just can't get back at, out in public because I lost my social skills during COVID. You think I could <laughs> think I could get away with living on a government check based on that?
1: I think that I think. I think you're deteriorating social skills after your uh, your your moped oh, accident. Or what was a It was a stand up scooter. scooter.
0: Yeah, and
1: <laughs> you weren't you weren't standing up for. No, long I enough. was not. I was <laughs> face
0: down, and it's kind of even though it's rain, there's still uh, you can still see where the pool of blood was. It was so bad on the side. Yeah, really? yeah. I walk by it when I'm when I'm on campus. Um, yeah, I, I I really messed myself up. Uh, probably. And, in, in, you know, in, in, in the classroom every once in a while, I'll kind of lose my train of thought like I, I have done with you on these podcasts every once in a while. Um, <laughs> I don't know if I could use that one to, uh, to, to you know, come up with a, uh, a valid excuse to sit home and get a check. Uh, you know, you can check your social security, like where you're at and what your checks will be if you retire at different ages. Uh, what, what it got in the back of my mind was I was looking at that recently and it said, if I started on disability, it actually right now, it actually gave me a dollar amount. Um, I think it's a bad incentive for people right there. Yeah. You know and, and it was, I mean, it was like three grand.
1: The worst. I'm a, I'm a millennial, as you know, um, an, an elder millennial. Um, in fact, I'm part of what some researchers call uh a micro generation that's kind of the very youngest of the gen x and the very oldest of the millennials and zenials they break up by saying you are people that had a analog childhood and a digital adolescence and that Describes me perfectly. There was no cell phones as a kid. You know, it was the mom turns on the porch light, and that's when you know it's time to come home. You know, we played outside. Nintendo wasn't a big part of you know my childhood. We didn't have cable, so there's only a handful of channels on the TV. Rural Alabama is, I might as well. You know, it's it's about twenty years behind. You know, so even though I'm forty, I might as well be sixty in some in some regards of my experience, but. Uh, but then we, you know, internet became a thing in high school, really. Um, where getting the internet in a couple of classrooms and getting kids exposed to the internet just to some degree was something that came up in, in high school and actually surfing the web and things like that. And um, and so it, it's it's interesting generation because you're you you got the internet young enough where you're native to it. And um, and texting became oh, a thing yeah. while at, at the end of college, you know, texting wasn't a thing while I was in college, you know, it was, it was bit, but it's interesting to, to think about that. Um, I don't even remember where I was going with this now. Oh,
0: just um, how kids have a lot, have exposure to a lot of different things Oh than yeah, than yeah. We do. So
1: all we yeah. were told with millennials is go to college, go to college, go to college, you gotta go to college, gotta go to college, it's just go to college. And the thing that that I realized was missing from that advice is, well, everyone where I came from, of course, was either, you know, there was not a lot of real reason for college degrees where I grew up in rural Mm -hmm. Alabama. You know, you had public school teachers who, in the way that we looked at it, were some of the best dressed and drove the nicest cars and things like that in Mm -hmm. town. If both of your parents were a public school teacher, um, you know, in the nineties and they're both making, you know, 40, 50 grand a year, you're making six figures as a household. You're way above, way above the average or median income in the area. And so there wasn't a lot of reasons if you were one of the couple of town doctors or the town lawyer or something like that, wasn't a lot of reason to have a degree Mm -hmm. and stay. Right. Uh, But all we knew is people that went to college did well. And so you have all these kids. and, And then, of course, the government comes in and says it needs to be fair. Anyone should be able to go to college and do anything. Well, before then, you actually had to have a plan. Yeah. Right. And so we just told everybody to go to college. And the government said, we'll pay for everybody. We'll we'll give anyone a loan for anything. So all the colleges start building resorts. Uh, in order to attract the students to come. And um, you know they got unlimited money to throw at them to attract these students to their resorts. And so, of course, education inflation happens. And we all go to college just to get a degree. And a lot of those degrees are oh, worthless yeah. because employers don't want them and no one cares and it doesn't qualify you to do anything. You didn't get any skills that people want. And yet we graduate and it's, hey, I did it. I did what you told me, where's my six figures? Yes, yeah. because I have a extremely high expectation for my lifestyle and somebody else should pay for this opportunity I had to go to this resort and study whatever it is I wanted, <laughs> even though it has no value in the, in the, in the real world. Um, so I partially blame the 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 folks that told us my generation just go to college that it, that 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 advice has to uh-huh. change it has to change to get skills that employers want or become an entrepreneur and do it yourself take the risk learn it as you go and just get after it but this whole go to college it's got to and And it's you don't go
0: to college. It, it, t- it, it, w- some people would go to college to figure it out. You know what I mean? Yeah. Agreed. and Which which is totally, I I, I got no problem with, I, I mean, at 18, not a lot of people know what they want to do. Shit. My 18-year-old knows exactly what she wants to do. My 16-year-old knows exactly what she wants to do. It's kind of funny. And I don't know if it's because... Um, you know, I, I when we talk about college, I say, OK, well, what do you want to you know, what do you want your degree for and what are you going to do with it? Uh, my oldest daughter wants to be a political reporter. So she's doing a, a media and um, political science double major where she's going. My younger one, this will blow it. Man, I, if I were like this at 16, you would be interviewing Russell Rhodes, two times Nobel Prize winner. Um, she since she was about 13 or 14, she has always always wanted to come up with a better prediction model for tornadoes. Why do they give us a warning and nothing happens over and over again? We even went with a group last summer and chased tornadoes around the Midwest for a week and saw two of them. It was the most incredible thing ever. That kid, she knows exactly where she wants to go to school. Now this kills both of us, but she wants to go to Oklahoma because uh, that's the best school for to, to learn about tornadoes. She yeah, already knows what sure. she wants to do her PhD dissertation in. Those two kids should go to college. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Um, and, Absolutely. and you know, I, and it, it's kind of funny. Uh, you know, you see people that uh, that that major in things that that don't have profitable real life applications. Now, if you major in social work, which is very admirable uh, and and something that is very needed within society, you're not going to make a whole lot of money. You know, and uh, so if you're going to major in social work you, and you are going to have take, to take on loans for that, uh, you need to think about what you're going to, you know, what your income is going to be. and Are you going to be able to cover that cost? Uh, I, yeah. I shot you a text last week about a kid that's uh, going to major in finance at Baylor. And he wants to sit down with me and talk about, you know, what will I do with that degree once I'm out? Uh, making sure he's doing the right thing. And part of the reason he wants to make sure he's doing the right thing is because he's going to have to take out loans for about half the cost to go to Baylor. And he wants to make sure that he's going to, you know, that that his salary will be able to cover that. You know, if, if he's going yeah. into the right thing to cover that, which is, you know, pure genius in my mind, that's exactly the question that you should be asking. Yes, you should. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. I, I, I've already thought about
1: this with my kids one day. I don't have, I'm going to have kids yet, but I, I will tell my, my, Uh, my kids, that you're 18 now, you're an adult. And so dad is willing to, dad's an investor Mm -hmm. and he only makes good investments. So I will help you hone your investment pitch to me, come to me with your idea and I will help you create a pitch that works. But if you come to me and say, I want to go to Brown University and you're going to have to pay for it and you're going to study uh, gender studies, Mm -hmm. sociology, something, whatever, um, and by, by the way, there's plenty of degrees out there that are, that society needs like social mm-hmm. work. I oh, don't, if, if if they're they're needed, it, but, 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 absolutely. but yeah. I will not, I will not pay for my child to go to Brown University to study social work. I'm not going to do if, that. Right. Yeah, you, like it doesn't make if, sense. If, if, that's not, that's not an investment. Right. So I, you, but we'll work on it, on an investment mm-hmm. pitch. Why should we do this? Let's talk about the, the, the dynamics of it. Let's talk about the finances mm-hmm. of it. Let's talk about the return of it and let's make sure it's a good fit. And I'm willing to make an investment in my child's education, but I'm not willing to send them to a resort in order to have playtime and study art for, for four years. And I love art and I love yeah. music. I'm a musician, but I'm
0: not not doing that.
1: It, I don't feel bad about saying So
0: So you keep saying the resort thing. Uh, you know what they have at Central Florida, right? They have a lazy yeah. river on campus. Wow. Wow. Yeah, Central Florida in the late. I want
1: to. I, I, I got to mention that to my sister in law. My sister in law is a is a Central Florida grad, but I do not believe they had
0: that. They. I, I saw where they were built. They were building it a year or two ago. I think they were building it right before yeah. COVID. So it, it may be there. It may yeah. not be there. And you know, you always have to refer to it as Central Florida. They hate uh, that. Yeah, of course. They hate that. Now that they're in our conference. Yeah, yeah. go back to Central Florida. Go back to Orlando. Yeah. Your Mickey Mouse. So let's
1: have some fun here at the end of the, at the end of our conversation here. Uh, a couple of fun stories here. New York City um, addressing car theft. They've had over forty five hundred car thefts already year to date. The mayor is uh, eager to do something
0: about this. What's well, so hundred. I'm doing math. That's forty five. Yeah. That, you know what? My my sister lives in Memphis. Of course, they're averaging forty four a day in Memphis. So that's about the same. That yeah. So I, it, it's a lot of yeah, cars. I mean, goodness gracious. Well, the mayor has a brilliant plan yeah.
1: to address this. Have you have you heard have you heard what, the plan?
0: Uh, take all the cars off the road. If there are no cars, I uh, can't give, steal them. Give, if it, if that's yeah. true. That's true.
1: Even better, he's going
0: to give out Apple AirTags. Oh, so you know where your car is going?
1: <laughs> I, I don't actually know if he's giving them to the thieves or to the, to the car owners, but I assume I, it's, it's the car owners, but yeah, I mean, it, they're going to get stolen. There's nothing we can do about it. So let's at least track them down once they're in the river or once they're in the
0: chop shop. And so you can come get the uh, nobody your, to track your, your, them your down. Rimless. That's it. No, that's part of the problem. I mean, there, I read an article about the same thing um, from a really guy named Jeff Hawkins, who's a sports reporter in Memphis, but he's, I mean, he'll talk about other things going on in the city periodically, uh, and he. That's where I got the forty-four a day number from, and he said, "You know, this isn't. You can't yell at the police for this. They're way understaffed, uh, yeah. and um, you know, I, I have a relative who had a car stolen, and the police didn't even show up to take a statement about it. I mean, you're on or your own. You're on your own to go find your car."
1: New York City has been losing police officers at a dramatic rate for all the obvious reasons that we don't even need to, to rehash. Um, yeah. So, of course, what can yeah. they do? But that's uh, if you can't prevent it, just at least find them once they're chopped up. Yeah.
0: Western Conference Finals. Simis. Simis. Uh, I'm Jim- going to correct you there because uh, LeBron, sorry, LeBron Simis, James Simis, is still Simis. in it. And I just want to see him fall out. Yeah. But um, yeah, yeah this should. was the Denver Phoenix game.
1: Denver and, and yeah. Phoenix. Denver and Phoenix. Yeah. You see the joke, the uh, Jovic altercation with the uh, owner of the site. I did
0: not see the actual altercation. I did see him talking about it, not the owner, but Jovic talking about it afterwards. And he had some really valid points there. Uh, first first oh, off, the guy it, put it is... his. My understanding is the owner put his hands on Jovic, right? If Absolutely. any other person sitting courtside had done that, they would be banned from the arena. Absolutely, yeah, I, no you, doubt. You no don't. Doubt. You don't do that. Um, and there's
1: one angle that, that you can see that, that that's not quite as uh-huh. clear, but there's another angle that shows that he put both hands on Jack. Uh-huh. And by the way, let's not forget this guy uh, Ishbia. I think it's Ishbia's is his name. um, He's interfering with a play. Yeah. This is very important. Yeah. The ball had gone out of bounds. One of the Suns players is fallen way out of bounds. He's uh, he's on the ground. So there's an opportunity for a five on four fast break. Jokic is trying to get the ball so he can get the ball down court and have a and have a favored five on four. Yeah. And the Ishmael prevents that from happening. Yeah. So he interferes. Oh my God! With he barely game.
0: touched him. I'm watching it right now. He just was like, he yeah. was actually, and, and the guy fell over. Yeah. So, first off, he's interfering with the game. Yeah. He's, he he's he is ball. interfering
1: in, in the Suns' favor to prevent the, the, the Nuggets from getting a fast break. And then he puts his hands on him and Jokic puts his, they say he elbowed. He didn't. He BS. was going like dressing the guy was it. standing here. You know? Exactly. He put his he he, he put his oh, um forearm into the guy's chest and then the guy falls back, flops like a like a like a male
0: soccer player, yeah. flops back. And they're talking about there there's talk that Joker could be suspended. Oh, he's not gonna get suspended over that. You, you and we, we were talking ahead of time, and and I've had a couple it, one of the programs at, at Indiana uh, has some retired NFL players, and at every event they have um somebody from the league that assesses what's really going on when these things happen. So it's not just what was on TV. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm sure that when the dust settles, that if anything, maybe the Suns owner should get fined over that.
1: Oh, I, he! I agree. He should be suspended for the rest of the series. He oh, he should shouldn't, or if, at minimum,
0: the- he shouldn't be allowed to sit, uh, to sit courtside anymore. You yeah, know, he should. I, definitely. Yeah, you know, sit up in the box. That's where you're supposed to be.
1: No. Yeah, you I know. agree. Should be in the yeah. box, but uh, but you know, the other thing too is, pe- that annoys me is people will say, "Oh, they shut the." Oh, he He's didn't. I'm, I'm watching a no. second angle. You are, Boo! It, for, it, <laughs> yeah, it's it's silly. First of all, it's over dramatized because he, he put the guy puts both his hands on him and he put and he puts it separate. He creates separation with it with his with his forearm. Yeah. He puts the forearm in his chest, creates separation. First off. You don't get up and get in the guy's face, put your hands on him. He's in the middle, he's a professional athlete. He is a professional, uh, he he is a athletic freak and you're going to get in his face in the middle of a playoff game when his emotions are high. You're lucky you didn't get decked. Are you kidding me? It's like putting your hand in the lions um in the in the lions cage uh-huh. and then
0: crying because it nipped at you. That, no, that was a LeBron a, James flop if I've ever seen one. The, the owner. Doing I it, you'll see LeBron James sometimes like go up and nobody will even be near him and he'll miss something and act like that and get a foul.
1: Yeah, yeah. so I say LeBron definitely could have played soccer. Yeah, that's he would what be the, really that, good at that. So,
0: yeah, yeah, no, this is pretty brutal. It's just... And there's this one Karen-looking woman by, behind. I want to find out who she is. behind him going hey it's just you know so um yeah he uh he definitely didn't deserve to get a tech on that uh you know the best thing you do is just just beat up on the suns and that'll be that for that that's what you do go go win you know i i'm not really into the series i I didn't even know who the other two teams in the series were what
1: It now yeah. makes me yeah. want to root for the Nuggets just after that one no. thing. After seeing you play such a victim, yeah. there's I just can't stand when people play victim at, a, at, a, at stuff like this. So that's I'm, I'm I'm I am Team Nuggets now just because of that owner being a fool. Yeah. Anyway, well, it's been another good one today, Russell. Appreciate no you again, and let's have a great week. And thank you all for listening to Untamed Ethos. Share, like, especially share.